0: Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Well, it is awesome to see you here and uh, and those online joining us, thank you for doing that. Well, you you know that Many of you know anyway that I'm originally from Michigan. I mean, most of my life before I moved here from Michigan. And, and I would just say this about what's out there because in Michigan we would call what's out there a really good start. You know, so I'm gonna hope that you'll join me in praying that by the time we leave here today and it'll turn from inches to feet. Are you in? Um, yeah, we got a couple. Yeah, that's beautiful out there. Like, wow, I mean, I love how the snow hangs on the branches. It's just, it's just beautiful. Well, before I dive into the subject today of knowledge, we're going to talk about knowledge today, I'm going to ask that you join me in prayer. Dear Father, you are the author of life. You are the giver of life. And Lord, each person watching online, each person here in this place here today, you have given us life. You've given us breath, gifts, a purpose, and we thank you. On this particular Sunday, Lord, we pray for those who didn't have a chance for life. Lord, we pray for a country that's divided over the subject of life. And Lord, we pray just as we saw, you know, as a result of a game here in Cincinnati some weeks ago, our nation turning to you in prayer. I pray, Lord, that we would become a nation that is humble before you in prayer and, and really discerning and hearing from you really what life is and, and, Lord, what you have in mind. Lord, I also pray, given this matter, that there are those who have had an abortion. There are those even here right now that have experienced that and, and maybe they're walking in a, in a sense of guilt with that. They, they kind of hide it away. Lord, you are the great Giver of grace. You are the, our forgiver. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that even right now, they would experience your grace, your peace, your forgiveness for them as they seek it from you, Lord, we pray. But Lord, help us all to make the most of this life that you've given us. Lord, that we would glorify you with our words and with our lives. And in keeping with that, Lord, we pray for Coalition of Care. I pray for Chris Combs, who leads that wonderful movement called Safe Families, Lord, where there are children from families that are broken or, or their parents are not getting along or they're struggling, and so they'll be placed in safe families. Some of those families are right here. Well, they have the opportunity to watch over those children for a good deal of time and so the family can be reunited again and into a place of health, into a place of life. And Lord, we pray for that ministry. We pray for all those who are safe families across this city. Lord, that they would represent you well and children and families would come to know you well as a result. We pray all this and more, leaving it before you, Lord, we pray in your name, amen, amen. Well, a couple weekends ago, we we asked this question, is there more? You know, I've been asking that question because a lot of people are asking that question. You know, you may not ask that question out loud, some people do. But I think we live in a culture that people are asking that question up here a lot. Is there more? Well, Joshua Becker, he's a man who's long been on the search for more. And in his quest, he met and then married an orphan. And after that, he founded a nonprofit called The Hope Effect to help orphans. And in the process of trying to help those with much less, though, he encountered a culture consumed with pursuing the wrong kind of more. And he writes, he says, We live in a cult that is never satisfied and always desires more. More money, more toys, more square feet, more followers. In fact, in many ways, the pursuit of more defines our entire society. When we constantly desire more, we are never satisfied because no matter how much we accumulate or achieve, more always exists. By definition, it is unquenchable. When more is the goal, we will never fully arrive. Well, I think he's onto something here. And even as I take that in, I I have to ask, though, is he right about everything that he's saying? You see, I think it depends upon the more you're actually looking for. You see, there's a huge difference between wanting more for myself and wanting to make more impact in the lives of others, wanting to extend more forgiveness to others or to help more orphans or more widows or to share more of the gospel or to look more and more like Jesus. Jesus. You see, Paul's going to tell us today that if we want to pursue the right kind of more, one thing that's really going to help us is if we seek the right kind of knowledge, the right kind of knowledge. Let's take a look at our passage of scripture today, the totality of it, and then we'll kind of break it down. For this reason, since today we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So right away, Paul tells us in a nutshell that if we seek the right kind of knowledge... Well, it's going to fill you with God's will, and then God will grow you. And so knowledge, then, in Colossians here is a really good thing. It's a life-giving thing. But what's interesting, if you know Paul's writings, is that it seems that this really isn't the case when you take a look at what he writes to the church in Corinth. Because here he writes, we know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, while love builds up. So you have to ask, which is it? Is knowledge good, or is it bad? Is it beneficial, or or does it make me arrogant? Which is it, Paul? And is Paul telling us then to seek more knowledge so we can be more puffed up and be more about ourselves? Not at all. You see, the Greek word that Paul uses in, in Corinthians is gnosis, gnosis, intellectual insight. In fact, when you say this, gnosis, One more time, gnosis. Gnosis. That's intellectual insight. It's it's not necessarily bad, right? But intellectual insight it can be helpful, but can also be misleading. You probably heard that it's been said that some people have a lot of degrees but no temperature, and this can apply to gnosis knowledge. It's why uh, Paul uses the same Greek word gnosis once when warning Timothy. He says, "Turn away from godless chatter." And the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some profess and in so doing have departed from the faith. So I want you to notice here, it's really important, that, that Paul ties godless chatter and false knowledge together. And I think this is really interesting because in our culture, godless chatter is downright expected I mean, if you want to fit in, you you, you got to share, or you got to post, or you got to tweet pretty much every single day. And then you go online to see how many people responded to your knowledge, or how many people liked your knowledge. We've grown quite accustomed to a gnosis way of life. I think you know what I'm talking about. Like when someone acquires knowledge so they can be more self-sufficient and solve their problems their way without God's help. Or when someone acquires knowledge so they can demonstrate publicly how their knowledge is superior to everyone else's. Or when someone acquires knowledge from social media and then shares it online without even knowing if it's true. Conspiracy theories have run wild with all this kind of stuff. Or when someone acquires knowledge from scripture which they easily apply to someone else but don't apply to themselves. Or when someone acquires knowledge from scripture, then twist it just a little bit in order to further their own agenda. Recognize any of what I'm talking about? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Now in the gospels, when you take a look at the gospels, Jesus is constantly having words with the Pharisees. They're the most religious leaders of that day. And if you know anything about history, it's curious and you have to wonder why because at one point in history, these leaders were considered good. It's why when Paul is trying to tell others, you know, of of who he is, he says, I was a Pharisee among Pharisees. So they were good at what point? So, So what happened? Gnosis. That's what happened. See, while they acquired all kinds of Gnosis knowledge, more knowledge than anyone else, they accidentally slipped into a new way of life, a destructive way of life, a Pharisaical way of life. So once, while their knowledge actually helped others, now their knowledge caused them to look down on others, bring more attention to themselves, and place burdens on the backs of others that did not belong there. You see, enosis gnosis kind of knowledge, which is void of humility, always puffs up oneself while deflating the value of everyone else around you. And while love is certainly present, it is always self-directed. Bottom line, a gnosis kind of knowledge is dangerous. Because if it's not properly submitted to the Lord, it will cause someone who was once fervent for the Lord to become a poor reflection for the Lord. That means, friends, if we're not careful, just like those religious leaders of old, we can become accidental Pharisees as well. And in the process, we will not even notice our own progressive decline. And on our journey, we can become much like dinner at Denny's. No one plans to go there. You just end up there. Right, we can accidentally kind of get there. And while accidental Pharisees think they're displaying Jesus, in reality they're displaying a more prideful version of themselves. And the world has grown really tired of this. Really tired of this. In fact, to be honest, some accidental Pharisees of yesteryear have helped pave the way for how everyday Christians are sometimes treated now. Because of the pride of some Christians, the arrogance really of some Christians, the lack of grace of some Christians, there are those who go, you know what, I just don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. Here's an example. And I think what happens when Gnosis has run wild in the life of Christians and the world doesn't want to hear. Here is one man who's shopping at the Mall of America. America. And all he's doing is wearing a Jesus Saves t-shirt. Take a look at how he's treated. I understand that, but Jesus is associated with religion and it's offending people. No, it's not, I'm sorry, it's it's, it's not it's about religion, it's about about eternal life. Okay, but it's the same thing, okay? People have been offended, and like I said, all we were asking you is to take your shirt off, you can go to Macy's or we can leave. I didn't say anything though. Again, you can can give yourself a Why are you making this shirt off?
1: If you season, you can do your shopping.
0: Or you can leave the mall. Okay? Those are your only options right now. Okay. Unless you unless you want to be. Unless you if don't. you want to shop here, you need to take that shirt off. What is wrong? What is that? Yes, come up and say you can attend it. So, like this gentleman just said too, take the shirt off and you can go shopping. If you listen carefully, you're saying I wasn't even saying anything. I'm just wearing a shirt. the world's grown tired and so they're pushing, they're pushing back and I think this is one reason why Paul implores us to seek a different kind of knowledge a helpful kind of knowledge, a transformational kind of knowledge, a knowledge he calls epinosis epinosis, full or complete knowledge, say this after me epinosis let's try that again, epinosis a full or complete knowledge You see, Paul is drawing a distinction between two Greek words and basically two types of knowledge. He's doing that because the Colossians have been exposed to all kinds of gnosis. But epignosis wasn't pursued all that often. And in its absence, a movement called Gnosticism began to rise up in Paul's day. And I want you to notice the similarity between these two words, gnosis, gnostic, gnosis, gnostic. These were similar to one another because in Paul's day, they were synonymous with one another. And here's some things that Gnostics believed. First, Jesus was only one of many spiritual beings who came from an unknown God. In our culture, we say Jesus is just one of many paths that lead to God. That's what the world says out there. It's called Gnosticism. It's still alive and well, unfortunately. Gnostics believed back then that there was a divine spark within each person that merely needed to be awakened. And what does the quote-unquote New Age movement tell us here in America? There is a divine spark within you. You just need to tap into it, and you become a better version of you. Gnosticism, unfortunately, is still alive and well in our culture. Third, they believed back then the world was created by an inferior God, not the one true God. And in our culture, what do we hear today? Well, God didn't create the universe. How could He? God is the universe. Minimizing God. Gnosticism, still alive and well, unfortunately, here in America. Fourth, they believed back then salvation was possible through acquiring and basically disseminating more knowledge, more gnosis. And what did I talk about earlier? What do we live in? What's the culture we live in? Disseminating all of our knowledge in every conceivable way every single day. And then wondering, do people like me? Am I more esteemed? Do I have more followers about my knowledge? Gnosticism, unfortunately, is alive and well here in America. And what's another way you can recognize modern-day Gnosticism? Well, one of my favorite pastors who passed away, he said it this way. Satan is so deceptive. He likes to borrow Christian vocabulary, but he does not use the Christian dictionary. Take that in. Modern day Gnostics then twist scripture, the meaning of scripture, to make it say what it never has meant. And by doing so, they can get people to pursue the kind of more that will only bring them less. And by the time they realize it, though, their journey home is elusive at best. Friends, the wrong kind of knowledge comes by way of gnosis. The right kind of knowledge comes by way of epinosis. That's why Paul continues, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge, the epinosis of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Two key words: all and every, every. And here's the thing: These words indicate a complete experience, not a partial experience. These words indicate an ongoing reality, not just a short-term high. And that's why Paul implores us to seek more of the right kind of knowledge. Why? An epinosis kind of knowledge doesn't sit and stagnate. An epinosis kind of knowledge doesn't exalt oneself. An epignosis kind of knowledge doesn't lord it over others in order to hurt others. An epinosis kind of knowledge doesn't twist scripture. An epinosis kind of knowledge doesn't keep truth to itself, but applies it and then shares it. Right? In light of that, have you been pursuing knowing scripture and applying scripture to your own life? Are you pursuing an epinosis kind of knowledge? I think it's a question we all have to answer for ourselves because I, you know, study after study shows that many Christians can't even quote a couple scriptures, yet alone tell you where those scriptures came from. Are you pursuing an epinosis kind of knowledge, God's word, to know it and know it well, to know it deeply? And if you're wondering about that, I just want to encourage you to join a group because that helps us to hold one another accountable. And if you're not in one, you can show up here on Wednesday nights at 630 And in the chapel, Marcy and myself, we've been leading that. She leads our groups here. She's amazing. And I encourage you just to join us on Wednesday night. If you're not already in a group, just come. There are many who are. And, And join the group that's there so we can learn more from God together. You see, it's so important we seek an epinosis kind of knowledge because such knowledge is always, Paul says, in the process of doing some things. It's bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. As a result, giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. Some more knowledge, more epinosis bears fruit. It bears fruit, good fruit. And fruit represents outward actions which result from a transformed heart. Outward actions which result from a transformed heart. Or you can put in there, if you're writing notes, a healthy heart. Because healthy things grow. Healthy things always grow. It grows such outward actions as service, forgiveness, compassion. Basically fruit. It's why to the Ephesians, Paul writes, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So scripture is telling us that the more we allow God's Spirit to reign in us, the more fruit will be produced in and through us. Are you bearing fruit? Are you bearing fruit? Because the kind of fruit Paul talks about is not temporary like the fruit you buy at Kroger or Walmart. Brother Paul is talking here about a life-altering, ever-growing, ever-glorifying kind of fruit. In fact, this is the kind of fruit we were designed by God to bear. It's why Jesus said, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. And then he defines the fruit, a fruit that will last, will go on and on and on. You say, well, I I like that, Phil, but you know what? That's a lot. I'm not sure I, I can do that by myself. Well, you'd be right. I can't, you can't. It's why Jesus said, remain in me. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of everlasting worth. That's what Jesus is saying here. So we can only bear more fruit If we seek more of Jesus More of his spirit And more epinosis kind of knowledge In our lives So let me ask you this How could you take what you already know About scripture And make it a verb in someone else's life How could you take what you already know About scripture And make it a verb in someone else's life How can you apply it By serving another How could you apply it by sharing the gospel With someone we're called to bear fruit. And as we do, we're going to experience something else. More knowledge, more epinosis grows us in the Lord, grows us. Paul tells us that the more of this knowledge will not just grow our brain or even our understanding of who God is. It's going to do more. This kind of knowledge is going to help us to love him. Christ said, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. And friends, when this is the case in your life, everything else that you once considered an option, everything else that you once added onto Christ, everything else that you once ate as your main meal while sprinkling a little Jesus on top will be cast aside so you can walk faithfully at Jesus' side. You see, when you embrace more epinosis, you become more and more like the Apostle Paul who wrote, what is more? What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. So Paul is saying knowledge in and of itself, that is not our goal. Jesus is. Jesus is. And when Jesus is our goal, we will grow more and more as we display more and more of what Jesus has already given to us, his grace, his grace. So rather than be carried away by a knowledge that puffs us up, we will, as Peter writes, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what's interesting about that verse, he says, grow in the grace and the gnosis, The lower form of knowledge. He's not saying it's bad. What he's saying is gnosis, even everyday knowledge, without grace is hurtful. We need grace with us wherever we go. A transformational knowledge is always accompanied by his or her friend called grace. So, do others know that grace is a good friend of yours? Do they? Because if not, let me ask, what areas of your life would it benefit others for you to ask for more of God's grace in your life. Maybe it's for someone who's different than you. Maybe for someone who's a lot like you. Maybe it's for someone who's really hurt you. You see, in epinosis knowledge, it bears fruit. It grows in the Lord, and then it strengthens for endurance. And friends, this can be a hard lesson for us. Because Paul basically tells us that you know, this kind of knowledge, I mean, it comes by you know, pursuing more of Jesus and, and growing in God's word. But he also lets us know that many times, this kind of knowledge that strengthens us for endurance comes by way of trials and tribulations. And we don't often like that. Paul wrote to the Romans, he says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So Paul tells us then that every disciple of Jesus who seeks more of Jesus and pursues more knowledge of Jesus will have the strength needed to finish the course with Jesus. Yes, friends, an epinosis kind of knowledge truly will strengthen us for endurance. And once we embrace it, we'll declare it. We will declare it. We'll join with one pastor and missionary who said it this way. I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, or back away. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, cheap giving, and dwarf goals." I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow. My way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, and my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, preached up for the cause of Christ. Because I am a disciple of Jesus. What would it look like for you to embrace that statement as your own? Knowing God's word, an epinosis kind of knowledge will strengthen you for endurance. And the truth is, Paul writes, when you take a look at his writings, it strengthens us for endurance. The word us is huge. You see, Jesus saves us into community. Here in America, we get it messed up. We think that we're alone. It's just Jesus and me. No, we're not to operate like independent Christians. He saves us into community. And we persevere you know, in our faith with others. One thing I do is, you know, people send me different things, you know, and so I, I try to catch up I have books and podcasts and all kinds of things, and so I was listening to a podcast while I was working out in the basement. I've got a rolling machine. I've got my bicycle on a trainer. I've got an elliptical, and so I'm on my elliptical listening to this podcast of this interview with Bono, the lead singer of the band U2. This just came out a couple weeks ago, and here's what he said beautifully and powerfully. Deep down, there is an anchor. I'm fixed to a rock, and that rock is Jesus. The storms are mighty and the waters sometimes troubled, but I'm not drowning. I will make it to shore. I have confidence that I will get there, that my community will get me there. My wife will get me there. We will get each other there. Together, we're gonna persevere because we make each other stronger. So I can't stress to you strongly enough that if you want to bear fruit, you want to grow in the Lord, you want to have strength for endurance. You need Jesus at the center of your life and a community of fellow believers all around you. We are strengthened in community. That applies to me too. What you may not know because I never really talked about it is that, you know what? Two weeks before I preach a sermon, like the one I'm giving right now, I send it to my community, a sermon community. It's a community of people who go here, men and women, ranging in age from like mid-20s to mid-70s. There's a couple of retired pastors in the mix there as well. And I send the sermon off, and then on Monday morning before I preach a sermon, I will spend like three hours taking in all of their feedback. I didn't get this, Phil. I think you should add this. I think you should build more into this. Here's another verse to add. And I'll tell you what, I learn from them. My knowledge in the Lord increases from them, which only benefits you. It's called living in community. If you're new here today, I encourage you, if you're just checking us out, I've met some people, even in the first service that are new Today, from 1215 to 115 in room 30, we have lunch there for you. We have Explore MCC. You can learn more about the faith, more about our church here. You can find out more at the welcome desk after the service is over. Jesus saves us in the community. You see, an epinosis kind of knowledge, it bears fruit, it grows us in the Lord, it provides strength for endurance, and as a result of this epinosis knowledge, we give thanks. We give thanks. And while a thankful heart is always a good heart, it's always a good thing, Paul actually encourages us to to have a thankfulness that is more strategically focused. He says it should be focused by the wisdom of knowing who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So if you listen real carefully here, Paul is saying that we don't exhibit thankfulness as bystanders. You know, it's not like we're watching a movie screen displaying all kinds of different ways for which we should be thankful. Paul is saying, you are in the movie right now. You're in the movie. You're living it right now. You see, Paul doesn't say that one day in the future, you're going to find yourself in the kingdom of God. Paul, rather, he says that because of Christ's work on the cross, you were rescued from the domain of darkness. You've been brought in or transferred into the kingdom of his son. So, your citizenship in God's kingdom, it's a done deal right now. So, give thanks. Give thanks. You're no longer in darkness, and you are no longer alone. You are no longer in sin. You are redeemed, you have been changed. You are part of a worldwide family that not only knows about God's mercy, you have received God's mercy. So give thanks. Let me ask you, how could you till the soil of your heart so you can live a thankful life? But well, first, pray and ask God to grow your level of thankfulness. Lord, help me not to take things for granted. Help me to see what you've done and give thanks for what you've done. Grow a thankful heart in me, Lord. And then practically, give him thanks every day. Give him thanks for what he's already done in your life. Don't be a forgetful Christian. Give thanks for what he's doing right now, even if you don't understand what he's doing right now. And give thanks for what He is about to do. Give thanks for the goodness of God. See, bottom line, Paul is saying more knowledge combines information with application to ensure ongoing transformation. More knowledge combines information with application to ensure ongoing transformation. A transformation that first takes fruit within ourselves. And then we grow, we bear fruit, and it bears fruit throughout this whole world. See, friends, this world doesn't need any more accidental Pharisees. And needs intentional disciples who know who they are in Christ and then share his love and his life with everyone. So let's pursue the right kind of more. An epinosis kind of knowledge. Because when we do, we're going to bear fruit. We're going to grow in the Lord. We're going to be strengthened for endurance. And we will give thanks. And think about this. A thankful people are an attractive people. When you see thankfulness, doesn't it just draw you in? We're called to draw people into the truth and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. So let's be thankful each day of our lives. And let's start by being thankful right now. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.